Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. And the way we have patience is through the trying of our faith. It's a process that isn't super fun. Would you go to James chapter 5? James chapter 5, verse 10 says this. Take, my brethren, the prophets. I consider the prophets of old, right? Who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Okay, so how do we get this patience? How do we work through all this suffering and affliction? It says, okay, well, I've, God says, I've given you this, all right? And so take a look in the Old Testament, and I'll give you some, God's given us some incredible examples of people who've endured suffering and affliction and how it worked patience in their lives. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Habakkuk. Look at verse number 11, though. Behold, we count them happy which endure. We count them happy which endure. Just hang on to that statement there. We count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. You ever tried to read the book of Job? That's a hard read, right? There's some really bad stuff that happens in the beginning. Really good stuff that happens in the end. And a whole bunch of confusing stuff in the middle, right? And we know Job was, he was perfect, an entire wanting nothing. And the big God is the one that said it. He eschewed evil. He was spiritually mature, all these things. Then this really bad thing hits him. He's not just having a bad day, right? I mean, it's terrible what he went through. And here's a man of God. He's questioning God. All these crazy questions come. His friends are trying to help him, but they're not helping, right? And there's just all this stuff. What in the world's going on? But it all turns out okay at the end, right? And so you've heard of the patience of Job. And if you look at Job's life, see, we, we tend to beat ourselves up because we're human, right? And we forget that Job, man, he asked some hard questions of God. We could read the book of Job with some judgment and say, man, Job was messed up. Well, he was. You try to lose everything that he lost and respond completely perfectly to everybody who comes at you, especially with some judgmental statements, right? You try that, right? And so God had to help him correct some thinking and answered his questions, and he was still blessed at the very end. Wow. Maybe we shouldn't beat ourselves up so much, right? Because there's this process, and it's ugly, and it's messy, and God is working patience in us. Behold, we count them which endure, happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And so we need to look to Old Testament examples of patience and reward. Now, go to Habakkuk, and I hope you've, you've uh, uh, kept a, a marker there. We're going to start Habakkuk chapter 1. The prophet is, I mean, he's, he's demanding an answer from God. He wants an answer from God, and he wants it yesterday, right? Ever been there? I mean, you just need to have an answer right now, right? And the truth is, we actually don't need to have an answer right now. We just really want it. We would really appreciate it. But the fact is, we don't actually need the answers. We don't need to know. We don't need to know all the details of what God is doing. We don't need to know why this circumstance happened. We really want to, 
But the honest truth is we don't need to know every detail and all the whys of life to get through life properly and to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. We don't need to. Praise God in those seasons where God reveals some answers, but a lot of times those answers never come. And we go through life, it's like, I don't know why God brought me through that. To this day, I have no idea. A lot of times you do, and praise God for it. But there are times, I'm, I'm sure there are people in here, you've gone through some stuff, and now, I mean, you're in your 70s or 80s, and, and now you could look back and, and still, you know, I don't know why God brought me through that. But I do know this, he brought me through it. I don't know why, but he did bring me through it. And that's the key, what we, what we saw in the book of James. We know the end of the Lord, right? We know. We know the end. And so, no, Habakkuk, he is just struggling because he sees all this stuff going on in his world, all right? And this, some of this, the sentiment here is going to feel really familiar, I think. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Okay, now hold on a second. And this is the thing that we go through a lot in, in, in my mental health ministry, right? The, the, the challenge of, of facts versus feelings, right? So God always hears. That's a fact, right? But it doesn't always feel like it, right? And so the fact is, Habakkuk, the fact is God hears you. He's in a season right now where it doesn't feel like it. And he's just opening it up to the Lord, all right? And in those seasons where faith and, you know, our feelings and facts don't match up, we take those steps. And eventually, Christian, I promise you, eventually, if we do the things that we need to do and we walk with God, right, the feelings will eventually catch up to the facts. They will. As long as we acknowledge, God, I know this is a fact. I know you hear me. It doesn't feel like it. God, I know you're always there, but it doesn't feel like it. But go ahead and acknowledge and be honest with God. He knows anyway, right? And ask for God's grace for the feelings to catch up with the facts, but knowing the feelings are not more important than the facts. And the feelings will get there. They'll get there eventually. So he's not feeling like it. Right? How long shall I cry and that will not hear? Even cry, unto, cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. And so Habakkuk said, I'm not even crying out to you for anything carnal or, you know, heathenistic. I'm just, God, I'm crying out to you to intervene of some violence and bad stuff that's happening. Verse number three, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Wow. We're just kind of, we're just been singing the same song, it's just a different verse. Right? Nothing we're going through today and seeing in this world is new. Way back in the Old Testament, here's a man of God, as a Stuff's messed up out there. Just basic, basic concepts of right and wrong. Basic concepts of science and chromosomes and DNA. People are completely ignoring them. God, when are you going to intervene? God, just allowing this to happen. God, when is it going to end? I cry out to you and nothing's happening. He is having some impatience. And, and these aren't, you know, obviously this isn't bad desires, right? 
It's not like, God, when are you going to make me rich? That's not, that's not it. He's wanting to see righteous judgment come forth, and it's not happening just yet. And so there are certainly seasons in our lives personally where we just we need something from God, right? And it's not selfish stuff. It's, it's really important stuff, and it may be really good stuff, and we're waiting on God to answer or God to move, and he's just not answering or he's just not moving right now, and it's frustrating, and it's hard. We're on that Spirit Airlines flight, cross-country, with nothing to watch, right? It's really frustrating. So how do we wait on God? We start off with knowledge. Well, God, when, when God is bringing me through these things, there's an end game involved, and it's going to work patience, and then patience will have her perfect work, and, and it's because of this patience that I, I can be spiritually mature and complete, wanting nothing, and I've got to trust the process, so to speak. doesn't mean it's fun, but how do we wait? And now we get to our main text there in Habakkuk chapter 2, all right? Let me give you six thoughts that I'm going to see right here from just verses 1 through 3, all right? Six thoughts, the art of waiting. You start there in verse number 1. Habakkuk says, okay, I will stand upon my watch. I will stand upon my watch. Number one, stay focused. Stay focused on God. Stay focused on the right thing. He says, I will stand upon my watch. I remember being in Bible college, and, and it's just college, you know, just college being exhausting, right? And you're sitting through a, a lecture, and, and you've, you're working a job or what have you. You've studied late, and, and you're just falling asleep through these things. And, and, uh, and there are times, sometimes you're falling asleep um, through that lecture. It's better for you to just stand up, right? You go to the back. You stand up, try to take notes. Back in the day, young people, this is what we did. We, we wrote. You know, we didn't do all this stuff. We had to do this stuff. And, uh, man, I'm not even, and that's all I do now, too. I, I can't write anything right. But you, you had to stand up, right, so you can stay focused and not fall asleep, right? I stand on my watch. That word watch means um, his, his, his shift. So this is his responsibility. He says, I will stand on my watch because I'm going to stay focused on my task. I'm going to stay focused on the job God has for me. And here's the challenge of life. There are so many distractions, right? We've got so much stuff going on in our lives, and it's not all bad, right? But we've got to discern between good, better, and best, right? And we need to prioritize our lives properly. And we also have to discern between worthless and worthy. And some of these worthless things, are, they're not bad, but they're really a waste of our time and energy and resources. And we can get so caught up in what's going on in the world, and that's part of the mistake that Habakkuk is making in chapter 1. He is so focused. I understand it's hard because it's there, and we're bombarded by this bad news and fear-mongering and all this stuff and all the uncertainty in the world. I get it, I get it, but that's why there must be an intentionality in our lives to stay focused on God, because all the news out there will just drive us nuts. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If your mind is stayed on the news, you will not have perfect peace. If your mind is stayed on Stock market, you will not be in perfect peace. If your mind is stayed on crypto, you're just nuts, all right? <laughs> I just, it's, no, it's okay. I just don't have the stomach for it, all right? But I mean, there's so much. But the way we have peace is for our minds to be stayed on the Lord. Habakkuk says, okay, 
there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. There's a whole bunch of violence. I'll stand on my watch. Here are my responsibilities as a Christian. I can't help what's going on in Washington right now. All right? Don't, don't get that wrong. We do our part. We vote. We educate ourselves. Don't, don't get that wrong. But hold on. If that's your top priority, you're out of whack. Right? And it's going to drive you nuts. And like I said, don't take that to where it's not meant to go. We have responsibilities as citizens. We do. Right? But it will drive you nuts if that's what's dominating your heart and your mind. Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. And so we have perfect peace by staying focused upon God's word and staying focused on our spiritual lives. I will stand on my watch. Continue on there in verse number one. And set me upon the tower. Okay, he's got his shift, right? He's, he's standing watch, standing guard over the kingdom wherever he is. He's not going to fall asleep through his shift. He's going to stand, stand on there. He's going to establish himself on that right there. And, 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 and this is what he's going to take. He's going to take care of the most important responsibilities. He's going to set him upon a tower. I love the, the picture there. It's, a, it's an elevated uh, place where you can see um, uh, you have a better vantage point of what's around you. One of my favorite places to go. I grew up in San Diego. It is truly America's finest city. And I uh, love to go visit. And when, when we have opportunity to take people around, one of my favorite places to go is Mount Soledad. Anyone ever been to Mount Soledad down in San Diego? Beautiful, beautiful. You go up to Mount Soledad, and there's a, there's a cross up there and a, and a memorial. And you have 360-degree views. All right, it's beautiful. So you have, as you're looking out of the Pacific Ocean, you can look a little bit to the north, and you can see La Jolla. And uh, you could look over this way, and you see... Um, Claremont Valley and down uh, on a clear day all the way down to Tijuana, 360 degree views from this elevated um, place. And, and it's just a wonderful, beautiful place to be. But you get up, you have to get up to a place like that to be able to have this 360 degree view, right? That's what he's saying. I'm, I'm going I'm to be focused, but also number two, I'm going to persevere circumspectly. I'm going to persevere circumspectly. I'm going to set myself up and live in a way in which I can consider all the details around me. Now remember, we're told in Ephesians 5.15 to walk circumspectly, as wise, not as fools. That word circumspectly, you get that sense of the English word circumspect, the circumference, right, of looking around and, and, and considering all of the details around you. And we get this idea that living by faith is we just live blindly. We just walk willy-nilly through, I'm just going to trust God and do whatever, that's, no, that's not what it means. We are told to walk circumspectly, taking a, um, I mean, just taking a look around us, considering the details of life, right, as, as wise and not as fools. And so, as we're waiting on God, we do persevere circumspectly. You consider in Luke chapter 14, it's told us, hey, if you're going to build a tower, you should first take inventory and make sure you have enough resources to complete the task, right? So we walk by faith. We trust God. God, hey, I'm going to build the tower, right, God, and give us the strength to do so. Now I've got to figure out, make sure I have enough bricks and mortar and stuff like that. And that's, that's living by faith. That's living wisely. We trust God for it, but we do our part as well. I understand there's a lot of personal, personal responsibility involved in our Christian lives, Right? We can't just use the excuse, well, I trusted God for it, I prayed. No, but hey, if you pray, so for example, hey, if you need a job, right, pray. Ask God for it. But get out there and turn in some resumes. Get online. 
you know, pound the pavement and go door to door and find yourself a job. Yes, pray and ask God, but you've got your part to do as well, right? Now, if you're going to go to war, also in Luke chapter 14, who's going to go to war and not make sure, you know, get a count of, 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 uh, of his soldiers and infantrymen, make sure he has enough people to get the job done. Walking by faith doesn't mean we just ask God and willy-nilly go into life. No, we persevere circumspectly. And we consider very important facts and details and things like that. Hey, if you're in the stock market, then hey, you got to do some research and things like that. And I'm not, I, you know, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just looking towards retirement and things like that. I'm not trying to retire rich. I'm just, you know, I just want to have some money at the end there, right? And so I'm looking and I'm, I'm taking a look at different things and how we're going to make adjustments and, 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 and different things. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean I don't trust God, but I've got some responsibility in this as well. Right? And so as we wait for things to smooth out and gas prices to come back down, the price of a ribeye steak, goodness gracious, I have not had a ribeye steak since Joe Biden's been president. And I probably shouldn't even said that. I shouldn't have even said that. Honestly, no, I honestly, I guess I didn't mean to say that, but at least I, at least I said it here. <laughs> little political slip. I love ribeye steaks, but there's goodness gracious, I've been. So, uh, but so while I'm waiting for things to settle down, and they will, they will, right? I mean, we, I, we've seen gas prices this high before. Then they'll come back down, right? And so while these things are happening, and then I got, I've got to be wise, of course, it's a little bit of crunch on the budget now. We're paying Two something a gallon before, ribeye steaks could go on sale for $3.99 a pound. Haven't seen that price in a long time, right? So I just, and I have to settle for New York steaks, right? So, or whatever you do, right? And so we make adjustments in life. And so we just kind of roll with what's, as we're waiting on God to move or work. And that's, I know, that's just, that's just a silly example, but I think you know what I'm saying. When you're living in this uncertainty and chaos and, and waiting for the right thing to happen and things to come back down to real life, right? Waiting for, you know, the, you know just, just all these things. Well, we still have our responsibilities to take care of. And while things are a little bit nutty right now and chaotic, we persevere circumspectly and we walk with wisdom and we take care of stuff as we should. Stay focused, persevere circumspectly. And continue on, this is an interesting statement. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. That's interesting. So if you are, if you're trying to hear what somebody's saying, right? I mean, you typically, you know, you're using, we're using our ears, right? But he said, I will watch to see what he will say unto me. So I get the sense of, you know, I'm going to use all my senses in this, Right? And, and it's said, you know, as you're listening to a sermon, praise the Lord for that. And, and uh, um, you, you, we just lose a little bit more if you're, uh, if you're doing it digitally, digitally or through technology. And it's fun. Like I said, if some people need to do it, I'm, I'm glad we're, 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 uh, we offer that. But you lose a little something by not being there in, in person, right? And then you could, um, you'll retain more if, if you write something down. Or, uh, and so you're engaged with even more of your senses, not just hearing, but but seeing and writing and things like that. And so, so number three, be sensitive to God's voice. I mean, there's an intentionality here. So I, I'm going to be listening for God's voice. I'm going to be watching really carefully and being sensitive 
to what God has for me. And this is, this is so key to the Christian life and knowing what God wants and what God is saying to us. I think of Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19, right? Went through this depression, right? He, he just, he's just going through these emotionally sw- emotional swings. He has this incredible victory on Mount Carmel, right? And then the very next day, he's running for his life. And he, he's, you know, he's, he won't get up and, and uh, the, the angel of God offers him cake, right? That's cheaper than therapy, cake, right? And so he gets up, he's like, goes back to bed. You ever had a day like that, right? Get up, eat the cake, back to bed, right? He's having a bad day, right? Goes journeying through the wilderness, ends up in this cave. God didn't tell him to go in the cave. But God just let him do his thing. God just kind of followed him. And here's the interesting thing. God kind of strengthened him through that, too. God fed him. Isn't God so good? Sometimes we're just kind of doing our own thing. Like, well... And we shouldn't be doing that. We, don't, we shouldn't be trudging through the wilderness, going to the cave. And God strengthened him through that still. Wow, God is so good. Ends up in the cave, though. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? And he said, you're going there. I'm going to let you do it. God still loves us enough. He's going to strengthen him and feed him. Right? Gets him, get to the cave. What in the world are you doing in this cave? Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. Right? I'm the only one. Right? God's going to teach him a lesson. And so all of a sudden, so God coaxes him out of the cave and he sends this, I don't remember the order, he sends the, the big old wind, right? A tornado of something, and it's, it's so powerful and so violent that it's, it's busting up rocks and boulders and stuff like that. I was like, wow, I mean, this big attention getter, right? This big violent wind. And then after all this, it says, well, God wasn't in that wind. Okay. Hmm. And then God sends this fire. Fire's a little bit of attention getter, right? Fire there. Oh, big old monstrous violent thing things getting burnt up smoke all this stuff god wasn't there either right god sent the wind he sent the fire and then the earthquake oh we know what earthquakes are like right that's an attention getter right even those little 3.2 little shakers right it's just two seconds oh it's the big one right we're all thinking right god sends this earthquake big old thing gets his attention of course god wasn't there and then here i mean consider it Big stuff, loud stuff, eye-popping stuff, right? And then the little tiny whisper. What's the lesson there? We are too, too often, we're looking for God in the big stuff, right? The big stuff. But then it's, God comes to us in a still small voice, in a little itty-bitty whisper. And I believe, I believe, this is intentional. Why? Because, hey, we, praise the Lord, we have the use of, of amplification and things like that, and what a wonderful system we had. And, but if we turned everything off, and I spoke in a whisper, the only way you could hear me is if, you could, if you'd, you'd have to come really close to me, right? Same thing with God. He's not, typically, he's not shouting at us. He's not using amplification. He's speaking in this still, small voice. Why? Because he wants us to be close to him. Mm. He wants us to be close to him. And we're waiting for a big old thunderous earthquake. We're, we're waiting for the tornado to come in our lives. We're looking for this big fiery flame of a message that's going to get our attention. And God's typically not there. He's speaking to you. He loves you. He wants to tell you what you have for your life. He wants you to know that he has a grand purpose for your life. But you're looking in the fire and the flame and the tornado and the earthquake. And he's whispering And our responsibility is to get as close to him as possible.
That's our part. That's our part. And so we be sensitive to God's voice. And how we do that, we get as close to him as possible. In these times of seeming silence, chaos and confusion, we keep walking with God. We keep going to church. We keep reading our Bibles every day. We pray every day. We memorize scripture. We do our part to stay close to him. Then would you continue on? Verse number one. And will watch to see, say, to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. All right, so he's waiting. And remember, so here's a really important shift for Habakkuk. And he's saying, God, there's all this violence. But God, you've got to bring good judgment. There's just evil people. And now he's slowing down. So, okay, I need to stay focused. I need to take care of me, right? I got to, work, I got to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And it's like all this helps him to realize maybe he's got something to work on and the problem isn't just with all that's going on around me. So stay focused. Persevere circumspectly. Be sensitive to God's voice. Number four, welcome correction. Welcome correction. When you're waiting on God, maybe the reason you and I are waiting is because we need to be corrected. And God's giving us some grace to get to a maybe a more healthy place or more receptive place to where God can say, you know what, Jay? You got to work on something here, right? You ever have to engage someone that way? Maybe one of your kids, maybe your husband, right? And they're doing something wrong, but probably shouldn't engage them while they're hungry, <laughs> right? Got to wait till you feed them a little bit. Or, in there, or you need to engage your wife. You know, wives, you're never wrong. Um, so you need to, you know, you've got you've to talk to somebody, but you've got to make sure that they're not tired, you know, right? So you wait for a good place to have a hard conversation. Nothing wrong with that. Just wisdom, right? We've got to have hard conversations, but sometimes we do it with some wisdom. And maybe God does stuff like that for us. And so that waiting time is God giving us some grace to get to a more receptive place. And so in our waiting, he says, I, I will wait. I will watch to see. I will watch to see. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. So there's a time that I call my in-between time. And a lot of you know my ministry, that I served in one church for 22 years. And um, depression and anxiety knocked me out of ministry temporarily. And so I was out of ministry for two and a half years before God brought us here. And that was, so I had an in-between time, and I didn't know if I would ever get back into church work. I wanted to, but I didn't know if I could ever handle it again. Church work is just, it's just different. It's just different, and you all are so good to us. But it is different. And so I didn't know if I would be able to handle church work again. And so I had this in-between time. And it was an incredible time of growth. And now looking back, I realize in that in-between time, God had to correct some of my thinking. There were some things that were too important to me that I realized aren't biblically important. And it took two and a half years to learn that before I could come and serve in such a wonderful place like this. I had come up, um, I had my own ideas, my work ethic ideas, and, and, and it was unhealthy. I just had my idea of, of a certain number of hours that I came up with willy-nilly, but I thought it was godly, past 40 hours a week that I was obligated to work 
as a minister, as a pastor. And I had my own reasoning for it, and it wasn't bad, but it just was unnecessary and unhealthy. And I had to change that thinking in this in-between time. And God slowly brought that around as I waited and wondered, what was I going to do with the rest of my life? Because all I'd known is ministry. All my education is ministry. That, that's all I knew. And then finally, I believe as I learned, and I'm still continuing to learn, don't get me wrong, then God turned that in-between time and revealed this. This amazing ministry, this amazing church, this church family. And in such a short time, I'm so grateful that many of you have, have invited me into really difficult and painful seasons of your life. And I'm so thankful, I'm so privileged to walk with you through those things. But I did have an in-between time knowing what in the world am I going to do? And the truth is, I needed a little bit of correction. I need a little bit of correction. And maybe right now you're waiting on God. Maybe you just need some correction as well. And he's just lovingly giving you some time so that we could correct some thinking, right? And help you learn through the way. Welcome correction in your waiting time. And just a couple more and I'm done. Verse number two. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Write them and make it plain upon tables. All right. So when, I, when I'm booking meetings um, for either the mental health ministry or what have you, um, uh, oftentimes, I mean, it's a great, I, I, I'm booking some meetings a few years down the road, and uh, um, it's, it just blows my mind what God is doing. And, and a lot of times people say, okay, we'll pencil that in. Right? What does that mean? We have some flexibility. We can't set it because, you know, we're booking for 2024 and we don't know exactly what might be happening in our ministry, in your ministry, so we'll pencil that in, right? And then, and then oftentimes we'll say, hey, are we ready to, to etch that in stone? What does that mean? We're committed to it, right? We're doing it. We're engraving that thing. We can't erase it. It's engraved in stone. And so God is saying here, yeah, the Lord answer says, write the vision, all right? But we're not penciling this thing in. Right, make it plain upon tables. That means we are etching this, this into stone. We are engraving this permanently into stone. All right, so when we're waiting, here's our heart. Number five, be ready to commit to God's answer. Right? We're wanting God. Hey, God, I need some answers. God, I want to know what to do. I want to know what you're doing. He says, hold on, maybe there's this waiting time because we're not actually ready for the answer. And when God tells us what we need to know, we're just in the mindset of penciling it in, and we want to think about whether or not we're willing to commit to what God wants for our lives. And God says, no, that's not what I want from you. I don't want a pencil it in commitment. I want this etched in stone. I want this engraved in stone, because I, you need to know that I know what's best for you, and I love you, and I've got a plan, and there's an expected end for your life. And then as we wait, God knows our hearts. And we're begging for this answer. We're begging for this direction. But we're still in just pencil it in mentality. And then as we're growing and we're being reproved and we're being corrected, God is gently trying to bring us to a place to where we're ready to, let's just engrave that in my heart, Lord. I'm ready to trust you with my life, and that's what I'm going to do with my life. Be ready to commit to God's answer. And then number three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. All right? God's answering him now. He says, this, 
you're going to get the message here, but it's, it's for an appointed set time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So lastly, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. God says it's going to come in time. And I love how it's put there, that last sentence, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So we could, take a, we could just take those commas, turn them into parentheses, and we could just remove that real quick and get this interesting sense. Though it tarry, it will not tarry. I love that. Though it seems like this is just being delayed, this isn't being delayed. You know when God, when Jesus was on this earth and his friend Lazarus died and the sister was so heartbroken over it and a lot of times people speak out of pain, right? We got to be careful. We, gotta, we have to lend a lot of grace when people speak from a place of pain. And she said, Lord, if you had just been here sooner, he wouldn't have died. I understand the sentiment, right? The truth is, Jesus wasn't late. He wasn't late. It was in Jesus' grand plan to show himself so incredibly mighty and strong in this situation. He could have come earlier and healed him of his sickness, and that would have been wonderful. But he was dead, and Jesus Christ was going to raise him to life. How even more grand that was. That was Jesus Christ's timing. Our timing is... Heal him there when he's really sick. That's great. Jesus said that's not great enough. And so we need to wait a few more days and go through some stuff really, really painful like Lazarus' sister did, right? But Jesus came through right on time. So we go through life understanding God's timing is always perfect. My timing is not. I want it right now. I probably don't realize it, but I'm not ready for the answer because I'm just going to pencil it in, right? I'm non-committal right now. God's gently bringing me to a place where I'm ready to etch it in, engrave it, commit my life to him because he is good. He knows me. He loves me. We're going to engrave that in stone. And that's all in his timing, all in his timing. The art of waiting, the art of waiting. Most of our life, a lot of scenes in our life is going to feel like that Spirit Airlines flight across the country, right? Really uncomfortable. Really boring, but sometimes moments of terror and chaos, right? Sometimes, sometimes. And our waiting is hard. But I think if we stay focused, we persevere circumspectly, look in all the details that we can, be sensitive to God's voice, right? That still small voice, right? Welcome correction. It's a big one. Welcome correction. Be ready to commit to God's answer. Trust God's timing. It will really help our in-between seasons. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.